Equine Health is our business. Horses and education are our passion. Welcome to the EquiConnect podcast. Here we will have case-based conversations and talk about interesting news and information with the goal of sharing knowledge, focusing on equine health. Hi, and welcome to another episode of McKee Powell Equine Services Equine Connect podcast. I'm Mike Powell. I'm one of the partners at McKee Panel Equine Services. So when we're thinking of a subject for this podcast, one of the things I'm sure many of our clients are wondering is like, boy, you've got a lot of new faces here and you have a lot of new faces that were not born in Canada. What's going on here? We'll get to that. But uh, first, I just as part of the intro, just want to let people know that many of you have probably seen the headlines that there's a shortage in veterinary medicine. Uh, in fact, recent research uh, published by the American Veterinary Medical Association has shown that some of the shortages do that veterinarians and veterinary support staff are leaving the profession almost twice the rate as the equivalent in human medicine are, which is pretty scary. So another really sobering statistic over the last few years is that Anybody that can practice in Canada, it makes it easier if they have passed through an American Veterinary Medical Association credentialed vet school. All the universities in Canada are, all the ones in the United States, some in the Caribbean, Mexico City, and there's a handful of Europe. So that's sort of the accreditation factor. There is an absolute shortage of people entering the equine vet profession. So About 10, 15 years ago, 5% of grads would go into equine practice. Now, uh, the most recent survey, I think it's 2021, 1.1%. So to put that into context, in North America, about 40 students want to go into equine practice. That's all of North America. And of those uh, 40, those 1.1% of graduates going in, 50% leave within the first five years. And the reasons are numerous. Some of it is not feeling that uh, they had the skills coming out of vet school. Some of it is really not great work environments. A huge part of it is work life, being on call all the time. One of the reasons why I'm a key panel, we have purposely grown our practices. So we had enough vets so the vets can share on call. And another reason, uh, sadly, is a disparity or a huge gap between the salaries paid to companion animal vets and equine vets. There's about a 20 to 30% gap in some areas. And so for all these factors together, people are like, you know what? I could go work in a small animal practice, make more money, work fewer days, and there's emergency clinics. I can take care of my emergency. Why don't I do it? So truly, people who are in equine practice as veterinarians have to love horses. So we were sort of as as COVID had happened and COVID was good for the veterinary profession, more and more people bought pets, more and more people got back into horses. We had to find an alternative uh, source of veterinarians since there really weren't enough graduating from the Canadian and American school. So thus, Uh, why we have invited and welcomed and are so appreciative for the number of vets that have joined us from Germany, Spain, Mexico, and most recently, Chile. So I thought it would be interesting to have an interview, discussion with our vets, talk about their licensing, because it's interesting, 
in Ontario, we are at a bit of an advantage compared to all those stories you hear in the human medicine field of trying to get people who are trained in other countries licensed. And so what we thought we would do is talk about their path to licensing, their work experiences in their home countries, and just allows you to get a sense of who they are, all these new faces, but also to understand the significant, some are calling it a crisis in global veterinary world in terms of not enough people going into the profession and far fewer going into the equine profession. So enjoy the conversation. I learned a lot of things about some of these people and some of the people that I have, I have the pleasure of working with, even though I've known some of them for well over a year. So I'm hoping you'll enjoy this as much as I did. So after that lengthy introduction, let's start discussing and meeting some of our outstanding foreign-born veterinarians, now Canadians, or working on becoming Canadians. So what we'll do, instead of saying hi and introduce everybody at once, we'll introduce them as we go along. So the first uh, question we have is, let's talk about education and veterinary experience in your home country. And I'm going to start with Dr. Melanie Pfeffer from Germany. So Melanie, welcome. And tell us a bit about your education and veterinary experience in Germany. Hey, everybody. So the uh, education in Germany is that you get into vet school. Basically, you are able to get into vet school right away from uh, high school. However, the length of the vet school is longer. So five and a half years is how long you are in vet school there. The first two years are mostly focused on uh, basic physics, chemistry, biochemistry, anatomy, physiology, those kind of things. It's a, a very dry two years often, it seems. And then uh, the next uh, three and a half years are way more practical, more uh, veterinary oriented and um, hands-on. And uh, we have to do all together, I would say, a good year and a quarter of uh, placement and different uh, different settings that we can partially choose, partially not. So we do have to go through all different uh, species and have to spend time there, uh, hands-on time there. And there are our final exams start in our last semester. And uh, basically the last semester is mostly exams, I would say. They are hard, (laughs) if I think back at that. It was, of course, worth it. That's basically the education that I can talk about. And tell us a bit about your experience, your working experience in Germany. The working experience for me was uh, that after my uh, education in Germany, I ended up doing an an equine-specific rotating internship at the University of Vienna in Austria that uh, went through different uh, courses of uh, internal medicine, was spent a certain number of weeks, surgery, Uh, reproduction, anesthesia, dentistry, radiographs, all kinds of things, everything basically that you're doing that probably a lot of people are familiar with, with other internships uh, comparable to uh, North America. And then I did my uh, further education for becoming a certified in the veterinary spinal manipulation therapy in Germany. And at the same time, while I was doing that, I started working at a equine clinic in Germany, close to Munich, that uh, offered surgical procedures. So we did have in-house 
patients, as well as uh, offering a mobile clinic. So uh, we would usually spend the mornings doing surgeries, and I would uh, either assist in surgeries or uh, do anesthesias or look after the uh, in-house patients. Uh, we would have ship-ins as well. And then uh, afternoons were most of the time spent out on the farm, yeah, looking after patients out there. And I spent uh, two years I spent working there. Excellent. And then I ended up coming here. That's amazing. One of the things I forgot to mention is that you are based out of the Campbellville office. Next to join us was an, an, a brave man, the first of those uh, coming from Latin America, Mexico specifically, Dr. Rafael Gomez of our Caledon Clinic. Uh, good morning, Rafa. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Hello, everyone. So, I mean, you were the first one to come up. We uh, found you through a recruiter. We had never tried a recruiter before, but with the shortage of veterinarians that I discussed in the intro, we said, wow, what do we have to lose? And, you know, it was interesting, uh, Rafa, and we'll meet Alejandra and Viviana later. All of our interviews were done by Zoom. <laughs> we never met you until you showed up here because we're right in the pandemic and there's travel restrictions. And so, yeah, there's the power of Zoom. Boy, did it work out great. So, Rafa, tell us about your education and your work experience before you came to Canada. I know it was a little crazy, all the recruitment process. <laughs> but, yeah, basically my experience, it started when I was a kid. My dad is also a veterinarian. He also does horses. So that was like my first approach to the veterinary medicine profession and specifically with horses. I grew up with them. We used to ride and I used to go with my dad. And it's funny because as, as I remember my days as a kid with my dad, I never saw him working, actually. That's what made me fall in love with veterinary medicine and what made me thrive to be a veterinarian because I never saw him work, even though he was working. He was having so much fun and he was enjoying that so much that I decided to study veterinary medicine. So it's a little similar than, than Germany. I, I didn't knew that. But to go straight out of high school to vet school. In Mexico, it's five years of vet school. And then you have to go through a process of a social service that we call it, that is giving back to the community. Uh, and you go and do a service in rural communities or sterilization clinics, uh, all these type of services that are meant for students to practice, but also to give back to the community. That's uh, six months. And after that, you can do your thesis or you can do an internship kind of like I did. The career per se is uh, it's similar to your money. Like the first few years are all the common subjects that we see, anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, cellular biology, all the subjects that we have. And then after the seventh semester, we can start choosing our subjects. Uh, same as with Melanie. I mean, you, you need to cover some credits. Even like for me that I was interested in horses, I could pick like one subject for horses, but I had to fill all my other credits with all the other species. So, so we come out like prepared. One of the differences between the United States or here in Canada and Mexico is that we also go through the degree. It's called it's doctor in veterinary medicine, but also we see zootechnics or zootechnics. I don't know how you say it, but it, it's just one of the main differences. It's and it's just the the production part of veterinary medicine. So we see a lot of chicken farms, milking farms, beef, cows, 
all of those species. Obviously, I went into the equine and all the equine subjects of the school. Then I, I volunteered in the equine hospital of the university. Once I graduated, I did my social service in the reproduction clinic of the university. It's funny because it's in a rural community. So we were basically looking at working mares and working horses and breeding those mares with better stallions that we had there. So these people could get better foals that will work better for them. After that, I did my internship in equine reproduction. So it's basically a five or six rotations with different uh, doctors and at different breeding facilities uh, in Mexico. And at the end, I had to do two final projects. One was I was in charge of a breeding program from a ranch. And that was basically something that I was lucky to have because I was the one making the, the calls and the decisions. So it was fun. And the other one was to do uh, an embryo transfer. And that's where I found one of my biggest passions in equine reproduction, that it's uh, the embryo transfers. And after that, I, I started working. I, I joined Dr. Carlos Castro. He was the first one to give me a job and I started working with him. Then I got the opportunity to go uh, to Texas for the reproduction season to a, a racing quarter horse ranch uh, where we did very well. And that's where I found how the veterinary world was different in North America than, than in Mexico. And that's why I, I, I wanted to come here to, to, to try it and to, and to work here. After Texas, I came back home and I started my own practice. I started getting my own clients and I started getting some mares. Uh, and then the pandemic hit and I lost a lot of clients. And that gave me the opportunity to start starting to, to present the Napoli. And after that, uh, once I got that done, I got the interview with you guys, and now I'm here enjoying the show. <laughs> yeah, excellent. So, Viviana, so I, I, I am presuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the educational system is probably the same for all of you in Mexico. So, if there's anything different, please add it. But I'm probably most concerned, and I'm sure our uh, clients are probably most concerned, people listening, about your work experience. And so, Viviana, tell us about your work experience. So this is Dr. Viviana Hernandez, and she's based at our Uxbridge Clinic. Hello. I had the same educational experience as Rafa. The UNAM, our faculty or university, changed the program just a year before I entered. It was in 2006. Oh, sounds so far away. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's the same program that we have come on route, and then we go and decide which species we want to work with. So regarding my work experience, I've been with horses since I was born. My mom is an Olympic rider. My grandparents are an Olympic rider. My dad is uh, a general from the chivalry in Mexico. I started working with horses even before I entered to the university. My first working background with horses has been training and teaching. Then once I graduated, I started working with sport horses, especially eventers and show jumpers. All my time, I've been looking forward to do more about sports medicine. I remember so much when I discussed with a teacher at the university about working, especially in that branch of the medicine. And he told me that is not medicine. It's only giving the, the, the horse medication and that's it. I'm talking about it was 2011. But this is a very old guy that was saying that to me. So from that moment, I decided that I wanted to show him and show everyone, especially that 
sports medicine can be as the same as humans can get. So you can get rehab, you can get different alternative therapies to get the best performance of this huge and beautiful athlete that we have. My real veterinary job was started in 2011. I started working on a, a sports team and then I just continued there. I was also, as a hobby, I was riding courses, training courses, and I also decided that I wanted to be everything possible inside of a competition, all kind of official that I can be. So I trained to be a dressage judge, I trained to be a technical delegate, I'm trained to be steward, I'm trained to be like everything inside of a show round. That's a lot. You've done a lot. Yes. I, I, I've tried to do everything that I can regarding with horses. I, I already tried once to get away from horses, but life told me like, uh-uh, come back. Okay. So Excellent. So let's move on to uh, Dr. Alejandra Garza. And Alejandra's at our Caledon Clinic. And I want to just, before Alejandra starts, is just, I remember realizing the significance of all of you moving here because I picked up Alejandra and her husband, JC, and their two cats at Pearson Airport on Thanksgiving Day a couple of years ago. And I was like, wow, this is not just a little move. This is not just I'm going here for a summer or a season. Like you guys are moving everything here. So that was I also had this big sense of responsibility. It's like, oh boy, this is this is serious. Like we got to make sure we make this a great opportunity uh, for these people because they are uprooting their lives to come here. So Alejandra, tell us about your uh, work experience before coming to Canada. Hi, everyone. I'm Ali or Alejandra. I'll say a little bit different than their education. We don't do tracking. So when I graduated in 2007, uh, I did all of the species. But for me, it was like equine, what you know, gave me the satisfaction of like, oh, this is the real medicine I want to practice. I was lucky enough to have uh, grown in Monterrey, Mexico, and there is a really nice hospital there, La Silla. Every year they have competitions there. So when I was a kid, I got to go there. And when I was in vet school, I was like, well, you know, I don't have any equine background. I didn't grow up with horses. So I, I knew I wanted to pursue an internship there. And that's what I did. So I started just right after I finished the five years, I applied for an internship there. And a year after they uh, gave me the opportunity to start doing it, they have a surgical facility. Uh, they At the time, they had uh, repro, the surgery and the sports medicine. It was just, just high-end uh, jumpers. So that was the beginning of my education uh, with equine. And then after that, you know, I'm from the northern part of Mexico. So it was easier for me to move up north uh, two hours from, from my hometown movie, Texas, right? So it's either I go down to Mexico City and I go to UNAM and, you know, like look for one of those programs or I just move up north and try to pursue a career in the States. So that's what I did. I started knocking some doors. I, I met a couple surgeons from people from Davis that came over to the surgery and also a surgeon from Texas, Dr. Honas. While I was a new grad uh, doing my internship, I asked them if I could just go with them. And, you know, they say, oh, yes, you know, like I'm opening a new hospital. Dr. Honas said, uh, why don't you come over? So that's when I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll give it a try. Uh, it's closer for me. I'm closer to home than going down to Mexico City. So that's what I did. I went there to do an externship. And I just felt like it was because I have worked at a hospital with people that have done residencies in the States. For me, it was like, okay, this is what I want to do. You know, like I know I want to pursue a career in the States in the way that I know the caseload is going to be different. 
and maybe people in a year of an internship, you get to see more uh, than what you get to see on jumping into private practice in Mexico by yourself, right? So I was like, oh yeah, I'm so motivated. So I did that. And while I was there uh, over a six month period, I was like, okay, I'm just going to give it a try. So then I applied to another internship in California. After several externs, I went to Kentucky and California, multiple places, and I got into Alamo Pintado, which is a great hospital in California. So I was there for a year and I finished my internship. And after that, I went back to Mexico. I went to my hometown. I did a master's beyond the university. I was teaching in vet school, did a master's. Once I finished, I was always amazed by the people in Davis. And, you know, like I've met people from there and I was like, okay, you know, I want to apply. So I, I got uh, the opportunity to jump into UC Davis to do a fellowship. I applied through the matching program and I got uh, matched. Uh, so I was there for two years and it was really cool because I got to rotate through ultrasound rotations. And, and then I did some of the surgery rotations. I was always hanging with internists at the internal medicine faculty and residents because it's like a branch that we do. And I also did sports medicine. One of our other vets, Esther, and I were there at the same time. We we decided to switch. It was like five months period. So I got some of the sports medicine mainly, and she got some of the field service and uh, more field medicine, right? In 2017, I went back home after I finished, and I got my junior list in uh, field service and equine medicine. So I went home, and after that, I joined the university again. Uh, I started teaching. They open an equine hospital. I work a little bit as part of it. Then pandemic hits. We all went home and I opened my private practice because it was fulling season <laughs> right in March. And a lot of people didn't have the chance of uh, sending uh, babies to the university. So yeah, I started just getting more clients and clients until 2021 when you guys contacted me to this same recruiter that brought Rafa in. And yeah, I move in and yeah, so far. Super happy to be here. Excellent. Yeah. So I, I just want to say before we move on, is just that your experience in the States and especially at UC Davis, that's such an exceptional university. And Alamo Pintado is legendary in the vet and equestrian world, just to, uh, of just what a great forward thinking practice it is. Let's move on to Dr. Claudia Cruz Villagran. And, and Claudia is at our Campbellville practice, but she is moving to our Caledon practice. There's a lot of firsts with Claudia is that she is our first specialist. And so Claudia is boarded in internal medicine. Claudia, tell us a bit about your uh, your extra education and your experience before you came to a McKee panel. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Mike, for hosting us. Well, I don't think I should go into details about my education in Mexico because it was the same as Rafael and Viviana. Pretty standards. Yeah, half of my career was core lectures, and then the other half or so uh, it was elective. So that's like pretty standard. After graduation, I, I actually have never worked in Mexico. Uh, we have to do social work. Uh, if you study in a public school in Mexico, you have to give back to the community six months. So I did mine in rural practice in working equities uh, all around Mexico. And after that, I went to pursue an internship in, in a private practice in Texas, a very busy place. And that gave me the tools for hands-on and not so much to think about the cases, but to do, to do, to do, because the caseload wasn't signed. Then I applied to the matching program and uh, obtained really nice reference letters from my mentors in my internship. And of course, it also reflects my hard work there. 
because it doesn't come for free, right? Uh, especially in a place like Texas and Alejandra can say that as well. If you don't do the right thing, if you don't work hard, you are kicked out easily. <laughs> so I did my residency at the University of Tennessee. And uh, yeah, I fulfill all the requirements to achieve the status of diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine, which obviously was not easy. So it was three years of extremely hard work and my uh, residency at the beginning, I was just like, oh, I'm not really sure because I just wanted to do horses, but it ended up being a mixed, uh, a mixed large animal uh, internal medicine residency, which you don't get to choose. You apply to the matching program and you don't get to choose. You either take it or reject it. All you get to choose in the matching program is to rank your schools. And you have to be pretty wise about that. You're not going to rank the best school if you have never been there to do an externship and no one really knows you. That's like to play unwisely. But I was very lucky to have uh, the University of Tennessee as my second home, I guess, for five years, three years of residency, which was, again, mixed large animal. I ended up learning a lot from, you know, the cows, the alpacas, the camels, the, all these things, pigs, uh, because it's medicine uh, at the end, you know, it could be different species, but the medicine is medicine. And then obviously the cases we saw in courses were second, third or fourth opinion, extremely difficult cases, challenging. And uh, you create these bonds with people and because you're going through similar situations and all these like heavy training. You have to do a journal club, you have to do clinical hours, you have to do co-rotations that the ACBIM asks you to do. You have to publish an article first author at least. You have to fulfill two uh, case reports that are even harder than publishing an article. They are really hard to pass. So <laughs> that's possibly the one thing that makes people being stuck in getting in achieving diplomat status is a case reports. But I was very lucky that after five trials and finally I passed both of them and I had excellent mentors as well, you know, like pushing you, pushing you to study, pushing you to study. Anyways, I achieved that. And then afterwards, I followed it with a Master of Sciences in Comparative and Experimental Medicine in uh, mesenchymal stromal cells in horses, uh, so regenerative medicine. And then afterwards, I took my first real job in a charity hospital in Morocco. Then I was hired as a junior lecturer and then progressed into a lecturer at a university in Australia. And that gave me the opportunity to develop as a teacher, which I was already doing in my residency. But this was at a different level because I was in charge of the equine rotation as a general. So the field services part, the equine surgery and equine medicine, uh, I was coordinating that. and. At the beginning, I was terrified and petrified. It's like, oh my God, would I be able to, to do this in a right way? I took that challenge with a lot of love and I worked really hard with my colleagues to give the students a nice rotation and uh, complete, you know, with the curriculum. And we worked really hard for two years and a half and did that. And we ended up being chosen twice, like the best rotation in the whole career. That was very exciting. And then afterwards, uh, for personal reasons, I had to move to North America and worked in Canada for the first time in Alberta at a private practice. It was a referral hospital. Uh, again, it was their first uh, internal medicine specialist. And that uh, gave me the hands-on at a different level and the different 
clientele. And then I went back to academia in Saskatchewan covering a maternity leave. That was amazing. But it was just a one-year contract. And then I'm here with you guys, which is a very, very special and strong team. So that's it. Excellent. As I'm listening to this all, and I've, I've heard the stories before, but I'm astounded and just uh, amazed again of just the, the vast experiences that you all have. Getting down to the last two. So uh, Dr. Jamil Sid joined us uh, in September of 2022. He's based in our Campbellville office. And Jamil, welcome. Tell us a bit about your uh, work experience. Hi, Mike. Hi, everybody. Basically, I'm a graduate from the same university as Rafa and Claudia and Viviana. We got maybe the same kind of program. At the beginning, my first practices in, in horses, they were with medicine and surgery. And that, that was my kind of internship that I got at the beginning. And afterwards, I started to work with one of the of the vets that I met in those practices because we used to go to different practices to learn the best that we came from different clinical points. I work with Carlos Castro as, as Rafa. I meet him there at some point of my life. And then we used to do a lot of uh, clinic and reproduction in that place. And afterwards, I stopped working with the horses. I worked in small animals practicing around a year. And then I decided to move again to the horses because I really miss them. So I performed an internship in equine reproduction, in the clinic reproduction from my colleague. After that, I applied for a program that the university got that it's a kind of uh, specialty in equine horses and medicine. Again, it's like a kind of rotative internship. It takes like one year to, to make this program. And I travel to different places in the country to see different practices. I went to Guadalajara. I worked with Dr. Carlos Gorospe. I went to La Silla. I went to Argentina as well with Dr. Pedro Ibe. He's a great surgeon. He made a lot of, of uh, arthroscopies. And then I go back to Mexico. I get graduated after this specialty. I work with another vet, uh, another uh, horse's vet, uh, around like maybe eight months. And then I decide to quit and start my own practicing. But because I don't got uh, the enough amount of clients in Mexico City, uh, usually I, I share between the small animals practicing and some of my own clients. Uh, they weren't too much, but they were enough to be happy. <laughs> Rafa and me, we are friends since a long time ago. Rafa was the first one who told me, like, hey, there's more options outside the country, and he come to Mahipono. And I was started thinking about do I want to get moved and for apply to the Nabli. So I get a job and, uh, in a big farm in Illinois. I used to work as a in the farm, and I used to breed a lot of sows all day long, but I did it because I want to afford money so I can move outside from the country, and then I got this opportunity to uh, be in contact with you guys. We start all the process. I think that this is a really brief summary about everything because I went to a lot of places. I meet because the horses, a lot of lovely people who teach me, a lot of tough people that also teach me, but I'm really glad because now I'm here and well, I never have horses in all my life. 
I'm the second veterinary in all my family. The first one is, is my brother. Yes, well, we are here now. I love the sports medicine and the equine reproduction. <laughs> That's it, basically. Excellent. Thanks. And uh, yeah, you're definitely developing a reputation in the Campbellville practice as having a really great eye for lameness. So we'll just see that prosper, I'm sure. And finally, and really uh, the, the newest, just about a month, joining us from Chile and based in our Uxbridge practice, Dr. Natalie Sanzas. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hi, everyone. So tell us, is there anything different in the educational process in Chile as, as explained in, in Mexico? Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm from Chile, South America, and I think my experience is more similar to the Mexican education. I went for five years to veterinary school and I had to work with other species in that period. Then I went to Sevilla, Spain for my graduation te thesis. And after that, I moved back to Chile and I started work in a equine clinic. I think the education is really similar in all veterinary school. I mean, the books are the same, but I think the difference is in the culture. We do some things in a different way, but we all always thinking in the best for the horses. The culture is different. The education is similar, but we have different approach to the medicine in each country. But I'm sure we all have the same goal that is thinking always the best for our horses and our clients. And that, I think that is the important part. And I'm very happy to be here and be part of this veterinary team. You're a great segue because I think a lot of people have questions because we're hearing about it in Canada. There's a shortage in the human medical field uh, with nurses, physicians. And so I mean, there's headlines and articles in the newspapers all the time about veterinarians, excuse me, human doctors uh, and the challenges they have to get licensed in the province or within Canada. We're fortunate in Ontario of where we are, there's two paths to be licensed. And I just want to make sure everybody understands is that the anybody that is practicing veterinary medicine in Ontario has to go through the same rigorous licensing process, whether you're a graduate of the Ontario Veterinary College or any other college in Canada, no matter what country you're from, you still have to get licensed and everybody has the same license. So Rafa, let's talk with you because you talked before about the NAVLI and just uh, it's the North American Veterinary Licensing Examination. So that's sort of the standard for North America for people to be able to practice on all species. So tell us about your particular licensing process for Canada. I was very lucky that I studied in the UNAM. My university is the only one in Latin America that it's accredited by the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association. And basically what this means, uh, what the accreditation means is uh, that these colleges that are accredited represent the highest standard of achievement for veterinary medical uh, education. So thanks to this accreditation, I was able to jump in and present the NABLI like anyone would do from Wells or uh, Saskatoon or any of the colleges in, in the U.S. My process basically was starting by myself. Uh, they don't prepare us for it in the university, opposite to what they do in the U.S. Uh, in Canada, they start preparing all the graduates for it. So I had to prepare by myself. I downloaded some of the apps and started reading the books and getting in like getting all the all the things that you you know back into your mind and also i started 
volunteering with a friend in a, in a small uh, animal hospital just because this exam is 50 to 60 percent small animals after that is horses cows and then all the other species that was basically the process i took my my navli on december i think it was 2019 and then I, around covid we just lose memory of things there's no the time frame is so weird i know i know it's crazy after i did my navli i passed it uh thankfully and then i contacted the recruiters that uh that put us in contact and that, that's basically how it went then i had to send all my all my papers all the information from my university my degree my uh my license from mexico and then uh, my navli results to the regular body here in in ontario the cbo it's the college of veterinarians of ontario which is often confused with the Ontario Veterinary College, but the CVO is the regulatory that licenses and regulates all veterinarians in Ontario. Every province has their own uh, regulatory body. And the one thing that's really unique, I think it's unique in North America, is that Ontario, knowing that there is a shortage of veterinarians, is making access of veterinarians from other countries or foreign trained vets to come to Canada. So Viviana, Maybe you can share your experience because you're you don't have the same path as Rafa does. Yes. So I didn't present in complete navly. When I got the job opportunity with you, I talked directly to the CVO about how I should get my license. And they offered me to present the partial equine specific exam from the ICVA, ICVA. So it's a the equine part of the navly only. Uh, it's a two-hour exam. I presented it remotely on my computer. And this kind of license that is restricted, it's only for people that are applying for a new license here in Ontario. It's the only place in North America, for what I understand. I've been looking about if there's any other place that has this kind of license, but I couldn't find anything. And the reason why the CVO created this kind of license is because of the high demand of veterinarians in the area. This license is only for veterinarians, but you can only work on horses. That's the only thing. So you can dispense, you can treat, you can do everything, but only with horses. Because I'm from the from the National University from Mexico as Rafa, I didn't need to present the practical part of the exam because we are an approved university. But if you are coming from a university that is not approved from the American Veterinary Association, you just need to present another practical exam that is just like, three hours where they ask you how to put a bandage. You need to explain how you should do uh, a castration on the field or how to put a catheter, how to do IV injections, things that a vet needs to know. <laughs> There's a whole set standards. It's a clinical proficiency exam. And I can tell you that in, in, on, as a graduate of Ontario Veterinary College, in the final part of fourth year, we have to do that ourselves uh, just to make sure everybody has the basic skills. And so we've been able to work with Dr. Daryl Bonder of Ontario Equine Hospital. He has been the, the examiner. And so that's been really helpful. And he's so well regarded in the community and he has such high standards and ethics. So it's a testament to all of you that you all pass with flying colors. We could talk forever. I mean, there's so many of us, all of you have stories. I get to hear all these stories. I, I will recommend to people that check out our YouTube page and our website for the Meet the Vet videos. We're still creating some newer ones and they're being released if you want to know more about the specific veterinarians. But all I can say in summary is that 
and I said this at the introduction is, boy, I wish we knew about this uh, years ago because the uh, I'm saying this not just because you're all on the line, but just the, the skill, the work ethic, the horse skills, the awareness has just blown all of our minds. And it's just been such a welcome addition to our practice. And it's uh, we're starting to see more and more of this happening in Canada. We're a bit of the first movers on that. And so we're seeing more and more uh, veterinarians from other countries and, and other parts of Ontario working in equine and companion animal practice. And I think it's glorious because it is, does really make the world smaller. And one of the things that we have done as a practice and we really want all of our uh, associates to either have had work experience or an internship before they join us because we can learn from each other because everybody does things differently in different parts of Ontario, let alone North America or, or, or Latin America. So it just makes us a better practice. I would say that is probably the only benefit that we have found from COVID is that it, it forced us to open our eyes and we are all so much better. And I'm hoping all of you who have met some of our veterinarians from other countries will agree on that because we do now have a pretty special team. Thanks everybody for joining. I know we were probably talking a lot longer than we wanted to, but these are great stories. But, and I also know that we all have to get out and see some horses today. So thank you all very much. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is not a substitute for regular and emergency veterinary care. Our purpose is to inform and educate horse people not to diagnose and treat medical conditions without a valid veterinary client-patient relationship.